It's beginning to look a lot like Hackmas. Everywhere you go. Ah, oh, I shouldn't sing. I really shouldn't. Welcome back in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast, the podcast that quite frankly is here to entertain, to inform, and ultimately to bring you the best Flyers coverage. I'm Russ Joy, joined as always by Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Anthony, a lot of things have happened in the uh, the world, and uh, we're not here to break down the uh, uh, the farthest thing that's been found in the solar system. I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, there is a uh, dwarf planet that they're now calling far out that is 1,000 years to orbit the sun. It's 120 astronomical units. There we go. Uh, Very exciting stuff happening in the solar system, but apparently something happened here on Earth. And that, of course, is the firing of Dave Haxtell. Your thoughts? 610. (laughs) 632. Before before I give my thoughts on the firing of the coach, I do have to address two things that you brought up here right at the beginning. One... um, did you spend your entire prep period today planning on singing at the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the, of the podcast today? No, I just rolled with it. You just rolled with it? That was just fresh off the top of your head? That's fresh off the top. All right. All right. Just making sure that that wasn't prepared. Because if it was prepared, then I was going to tell you we're stopping and re-recording. Do you want to um, stop and re-record? No, no, no. If it was off the top of your head, then you know I say that's great. You go with it. You, you make a choice. And whether you live when it's whether it sinks or swims, you just go with it. That's but if it was something that you were planning all day long and that's all you came up with, I would have told you it sucked and you know start over. Um, so there's that. <laughs> Give me and, a rating. Give me a rating on a on a scale of Dave Hackstall to uh, Ken Hitchcock. It's a really bad scale. Like I'm not really looking for much. Yeah, no, that's a that's a tough that's a tough scale because I'm trying to figure out where you, because you you you're probably a uh, somewhere in the um, John Stevens category there. Oh oh, I'm super conservative. I sit on leads and my team blows them. Oh, <laughs> and the yeah. second thing, they actually called this new planet that they found. They called it far out. That's, that's legit. The, yes, that's, that's what they called this yep. planet. Astronomical units. That's it's very important. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a thousand years to orbit the sun. Still, I love the fact that they actually named the planet Far Out. That's, That's Far Out, man. I know it's pretty funny. Yeah. Actually. Um, anyway, uh, just to give people a little bit of perspective, so uh, this is so dumb. The planet is 120 astronomical units away. Earth is one astronomical unit away from the sun. Pluto is 34, so it's nearly four times farther away than Pluto is from the sun. There you go. Speaking of things that are far away from the sun, Dave Haxtell is very far away from Wells Fargo Center, which yes, is the sun is. and the center yes, of our universe. So. so so we kind of... Um, Solar system, not universe. Yeah, so we kind of started catch, catching wind about this very little bit over the weekend. Um, and then my Sunday actually was spent, my entire Sunday, that I was thinking was going to be a nice, relaxing day off, just kind of chill out, watch some football, you know, not have to really worry about anything, was spent... Um, talking to anyone and everyone who would talk to me uh, about what, what the heck was going on with the Flyers as they were flying across the country themselves back from Vancouver after yeah. an absolutely dreadful two games. And, and I, I should just say both of those games were terrible. Um, they were absolutely, absolutely terrible. And we it, they were so bad we didn't even write about them. <laughs> yeah. 
there wasn't anything because it to was, break down. They were well, all... it, it was getting to this. It's like we're writing about the same thing every damn game. Yep. Uh, I will say this. I will say the one the one difference between the Edmonton and the Vancouver the um, the Edmonton game was just turnover after turnover after turnover. It was unbelievable. Like I just. I was I was out watching it and I uh, and I kept saying I'm gonna say every time they turn the puck over just in, just in case nobody's paying attention I'm gonna, and I just kept saying it over and over again turnover 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 it was so bad how many times they were turning the puck over um, but so there so there was that and then the game against Vancouver they just came out and they looked dead and I got a text and I'm gonna read you this text I'm not gonna say who it was from um, but I'm gonna read you this text from a former player um, that uh, during that game um, and this guy it was pretty funny what what, <laughs> what he had said because I I'll even read what I said back to you or said back to him um, where's that I'm just scrolling through my text here this is good pod yeah this is good pod right here um, okay uh uh, team looks so the first thing he texts is team looks awful, no passion. That's the mm. first thing he says. Okay, mm. to which I I don't disagree. Okay, and then I say uh, and I'm talking about how it reminds me of the 0607 team. Um, a lot of there's talent there, but a bad game day attitude. I say make a f- make a few fixes, um, and uh, I think this team could be a decent team, but it's not as it's currently put together. And he responded, it's as if players are waiting for him to get fired. And I've said, you've seen that before, have you? And he said, yes, I have. <laughs> and he says, I agree there are some good pieces there, just hard to watch right now. Woof. <laughs> so that's a former player uh, who was texting me um, on Sunday. Time to play. Who's that flyer? <laughs> no, ain't doing that. I won't give that away. Um, but... Uh, I mean, you know, it's somebody who I covered, so you could, you know, go through the roster of the few past ideas. I'll, 19 I'll talk to you about them off air. Past 19 years and see if you can figure it out. But but other than that, that's as far as I will go with with revealing uh, who it might be. Yeah, there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened this weekend. Um, you know, the since the last episode, uh, I think we had talked about the Winnipeg game and the fact that the, the Flyers went from a 6-2 win against Buffalo uh, in Buffalo to getting absolutely shellacked 7-1 uh, right. in Winnipeg. But... The Calgary game, they had an epic collapse. The Oilers game, as you mentioned, I, it didn't look like they were really in it. And the the uh, Canucks game was just going through the motions at best. And so there have been plenty of stretches in the season where we have theorized that something could happen. Uh, there have been whispers pretty much the entire season that nobody is really safe. And that, that went from the front office all the way you know to the coach and to the players and uh, it was prior to the last West Coast swing, which was, oh, God, how long ago was it? Uh, well, beginning of out, November? When they were out in California? Yeah, so it was, that yeah. was back Yeah, that was back in uh, the end of October. That was at Anaheim, at L.A., at San Jose, at Arizona. Um, we talked about it at that point, the fact that if that road trip didn't go well, there's a potential that Dave Axel could have lost his job. And... Um, it didn't end up happening, obviously. And the the rumblings all season have been there. Um, obviously, when Hextall was here, there was still a, a feeling that Hextall was going to remain loyal to his coach. And then, obviously, after 
the team dismissed him of of you know out of his role it had come up that you know maybe there had been a little bit of a falling out between Hextall and Hextall maybe there it wasn't all rainbows and smiles between the two but Hextall was still rolling with his guy and perhaps it was because he was micromanaging him and and not every coach that you bring in is going to want to get micromanaged um, as much as Hextall may have done uh, with Hextall but the the rumblings and the and the rumors have been there um, but in the uh, interest of you know following through on what I said in the last episode which is if somebody has a source and somebody thinks that there's something that's going to go down you know you've got to do what you're supposed to do which is you're supposed to cite them and it's a thing that i i don't know i caught some some uh little bit of of, um heat on twitter for saying that i didn't like the fact that people didn't shout you out when uh you had the hextall stuff and people said well you know it's just it's just rumors at this point it's not really um being announced as 100 percent this is happening and then you know even in the aftermath of you doing some reporting on um, Hextall behind the scenes with multiple sources and all that. There were some people who were like, well, you know, you know, people have agendas. They don't want to, you know, you're not going to get a lot of people coming out uh, with positive stories about Hextall at this point. They're just trying to filter their stories through and like, and that was kind of the thing. So um, you didn't end up getting much credit, but like, I, I think it's important that if we're going to, you know, hold to this idea that you've got to give credit, then, you know, let's do it. So over the weekend, uh, Steph Driver of Broad Street Hockey put out that she had heard rumblings that um, Hackstall's job could have been on the line with a poor result, and then went on to say that uh, I can't I can't pull up the tweets right now because I found out yesterday she blocked me on Twitter. It's the first time I've ever gotten blocked, Anthony. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, I'm just kind of going off memory here. But welcome welcome to the club, my friend. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. Um, but what I do remember is she said uh, that. Here, I, I, I believe I, I can be- read. I can read them for you. Oh, okay. Um, so I'll just I'll just read them off of uh, uh, the three that I think that are the most uh, prevalent. We, They're uh, in we, our Slack chat. I could probably. Yeah, we them. know the Flyers can't continue what they've been doing. We all know this. I'm hearing rumblings about more changes on the horizon. The rumblings are Hackstall's job is on the line with this game tonight, but the writing is already on the wall. We know they want to make a move before the roster freeze. This has been reiterated, not prospects, roster players. The rumor that I've been hearing for a while since before Hextall was fired is that senior management wants the coach who is known by one single letter. The message has gotten stronger. Those were her three three tweets. That was it. Yep. Uh, And so there were some people who ran with it. Uh, Eventually... uh, well, Hacksaw didn't lose his job in that moment, and it it stretched on what another day or so. Uh, well, she put which, that, I think she put she put that out on Saturday. Saturday, yeah, which was um, the van, right before the Vancouver game. Yep. Um, and then on Sunday, uh, I started to get is when I started to get messages from everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. And when I when I tell you that I get messages, my phone. And I I, I, w- I joked about it, like jokingly, in our Slack chat saying, I hate when my fl- phone blows up. And, <laughs> and then Kyle goes and puts that into the post today with my update that Anthony tells us he hates when his phone blows up. Like, I, like don't, don't say that. People will stop texting me. Um, but when I tell you that I was getting messages on Sunday from people in the organization at many levels um, – it was just outrageous, and there was a. And to be honest with you, the the hard part was is there was a variety of 
uh, information. And some of it was conflicting. So it, it was kind of taking a while to really try and piece it together uh, on Sunday. And so I think that I was probably second after her um, to put it out. Uh, what I put out and, and I couldn't yep. and then a half and then a half hour later Dave Isaac yeah uh, so who, so just what I said yeah, go ahead just before we get to Dave what I had said in that moment was that um, I'm hearing that Hackstall will be fired the announcement for Hackstall's firing will come in the next 24 hours and that um, the Flyers will they'll have an interim coach uh, don't know how long uh, could be just a game or two um, but that um, Joel Quenville is a target for them. And, and that's what I put in my tweet. And then I said, oh, and by the way, here's the story that I wrote about this after talking to everybody all day. Um, and so that that was kind of what I put out there because I could not get any kind of confirmation that anything had specifically happened as far as a new coach was concerned. Um, and again, when I tell you, I I had to speak to close to tw- maybe I don't think if it was exactly 12 I was going to say a dozen but 10 11 might maybe 12 different people yesterday um not all affiliated with the flyers some from outside the organization as well but at the same time uh, that's what I was going through yesterday and it was my it consumed my day and then you go ahead you're welcome yeah then go go ahead after that um then so about a half hour Dave, after Dave's that report right Dave Isaac came out with what felt like a uh, an even more definitive report that Hackstall had been fired and Quenville had been hired was, I believe, how the initial uh, article was framed. And that one was kind of that that was one that kind of sent shockwaves because I think yours, um, you know, it, it it I think it's pretty fair to say that a lot of people who would follow Steph Driver and people who would follow you are different circles. I think there is some overlap, but we had a Venn diagram. Um, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that they are different groups of Flyers fans for the most part. And I think each respective group kind of picked up on it and ran with it in, within their own circles. Now, Darren Drager actually from TSN had quote tweeted yours. Uh, and I don't have, I should have it in front of me, but Drager quote tweeted yours and brought up the fact that he hadn't heard about Quenville yet, that there really hadn't been much there, but there was a potential for it. Correct. Uh, which which was interesting. Now, then Isaac came out, and I think Dave does a, a, a really nice job. He Dave sits, does a great job. He sits yep. down, like, what, two seats for me uh, in yeah. press row. We've had a, a couple nice exchanges. I think Dave does a, a very good job. Um, but he came out with a, what seemed like a very definitive um, article, which obviously got a lot of traction because it, it had in it, in its headline, what pretty much everybody has been waiting for. And what I would say the majority of the Flyers fan base for the better part of, what, six months, a year, have expected or wanted, which was Hackstall fired. And then who's the hottest the hottest free agent coach name on the market? And, of course, that's Joel Quenville. So uh, a lot of people started running with it, but then that's where we got into the, the source game, right? That's where we got into, um, and, and maybe it's like the, the thing that people don't totally understand. Um, but if you run with something from one source, there is a potential that it's going to be either incorrect information or it's going to be you connecting some dots and trying to infer what's being said. And I don't know what happened in the case of Isaac, but the way that that came off so definitive 
and then it ended up not being correct. At least in that moment, it wasn't correct. Quenville still hasn't been hired, so technically that part of that report or that initial um, article headline, which I don't know if he wrote himself, a lot of a lot of papers, what they have, they have people who do the headlines separately, right? So um, that part of of his reporting was not correct, at least as of this this so, moment. So yeah, yeah. So let me let me just stop you just for so a second. You, and I'll, you, do, I'll let you, you con- do your thing. I'll let you continue. I don't begrudge Dave for what he reported because I'll be honest with you, I had heard the same thing. Um, it it just so happened that I was able to corroborate with other people um, that that was not necessarily true. Um, that it had not, you know, that they were interested, but it not there had not been anything further uh, in that regard. So. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to. I'm not going to try and speculate as to what Dave got from who. But at the same time, I think that it's fair to say that what he was told and what he reported was kind of floating through the organization yesterday. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it wasn't. I'm not going to try and debunk the you know his source. I mean, I, I think that he probably had someone tell him that because I had someone tell me that as well. Um, so it's it's. His his source is a legit, I'm sure, person in the organization. Um, so th- so that's that's first and foremost. So I, before anybody jumps all over Dave Isaac, I think that that's kind of really important to understand. And like you were saying, there are sources who you know are like really reliable. There are sources who you know when they tell you something. They're so close and so involved with the situation that they can't. They are not misleading you. They have. They have no. They don't gain anything by misleading you, and you don't gain anything by not trusting them. Okay, so that's kind of the that's kind of the the situation there, right? So there are those kinds of sources. Then there are sources who are good sources because they're involved with the organization or involved with the team, um, but maybe not right. You know, in the thick of who's being fired, who's being hired, who's being traded, whatever. Um, so there's that possibility as well. So that's the, the second tier of your sources. And then there's a third tier. Actually, there's probably two more tiers at this day. But in my in in my journalistic experiences, there's a third tier of sources, which are people who are kind of you know around the team but not really involved with a lot of the decision-making stuff. So, I mean, they all hear, everybody hears things because they all, everybody talks to different people. And so a lot of the information you get is second, third, even fourth hand sometimes. Um, That's why you have to flesh it out and and talk to multiple people. Um, But then now it looks like, and it it started, I had a big thing with this on our, our other podcast, on our Phillies podcast with Bob Wankel. um, When I criticized, um, the the Joe Giglio source um, on the Manny the potential Manny Machado trade to the Phillies in the summer. Um, this fourth level of sourcing uh, has <laughs> I don't I don't know where it's come from um, or whoever said it was it was actually okay to do, but this fourth level of sourcing that exists out there somewhere um, is where people use information that's being given to them by other people in the in the business you know of 
of journalism, I guess, if that's what we want to call what we're doing here, um, or in the business of reporting at the very least. Um, and that information is, it really should just be background or shared knowledge, um, but it's now being turned into sourced information. And I, that personally, I don't, I would never, I mean, people want to do that. That's, that's their prerogative. Um, and the reason that's like, you know, if like when Joe Giglio did it, like, man, I, I would never do that. I would never source another person who, who does what I do. They may know something. It's very possible that they know everything. Um, and that the fact that they're sharing that with you is very generous of them. Um, but the fact of the matter is, even if it's 100% correct, that person really should never be a source. However, we now live in an age where it's all about getting it out there. So you sometimes trust people like that. I'm not saying that's what happened with Dave. I, I don't think that's with that at all. I think Dave had a legitimate team source who told him what they told him um but at the same time these kinds of things exist this is this is the world we live in now um so it's a lot harder to delineate like what's actually true and what's partially true and what's just something someone's heard um so that's kind of like it's made it harder to do our jobs so to me and i was talking to um a national uh reporter um the other day and we were talking about this just in general not not about the hackstall thing and um we were we were talking about it and in the very the very structure of information and how it's gathered like determining what to believe and who to trust it's become so hard anymore because people people everybody's willing to talk everybody's always willing to talk but it's 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 really trying to determine what you think is right and what you think is not right and then some you know there's going to be a time and look I, I feel like i've been pretty pretty good lately um but there's going to be a time when i'm going to have to make a call on something and say yeah i really believe that but gee, maybe it's not and then i might put something out a speculation a little bit of you know thought you know informed opinion um and maybe it's going to be wrong and then I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to backtrack or I'm going to have to apologize or something because that's the way it's become anymore. Uh, so you have to really, really be careful how it's presented unless you don't care. In which case, if you don't care, then just throw it out there and hope you're right. I think there's a lot of rumor mongers who do that in, in all sports, not just hockey. I think there's a lot of people who do that thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's this the whole thing. I mean, I know a lot of people were killing Dave and killing Steph Driver and, and killing people in the last 24 hours because of sources, sources, sources. You don't understand. It, it's really, really difficult because you you also have to protect these people because you can't you don't want to get them in trouble for giving you the information. Um, so that's important. But it, you also have to make sure that they're. 100% trustworthy too and 100% accurate even they may be trustworthy and not accurate you know what i'm saying i mean that's a possibility you could trust someone and believe you know they might be believing that they're giving you solid information when in fact they're a little bit flawed and so you have to really dis dis discern hey this person's come through for me in the past are they being are they right or are they just just off a little bit it's a tough tough thing to do so when you have people whether it's me or 
Dave or Steph in this instance. I guess we're the three who were putting it out first ahead of everybody else. Um, you, you really got to understand that it's a it's a very you know slippery slope that we walk with sourced information and with our sources. And you know sometimes it's it's going to be a lot harder to determine you know what the information is you're getting and if it's accurate. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think you gave a, a very nice explainer. I hope I hope that that makes sense for people. I hope it does, um, because it's it was a cha- I mean literally I, I I'm not lying when I said the first message I got Sunday was at like ten thirty in the morning. I I put up a story three and a half hours later, and the tweet that I put out. I, was it like at four thirty, quarter to five? I mean, so you see how long it took. It's so it's not like I got the first text message at ten o'clock in the morning or ten thirty in the morning and said, "Okay, let me put that right out there." It took time. So between ten thirty and the time that my story originally posted, we're talking three and a half hours. There was a lot of conversations, and I wrote the story and, and put that out there. So that's all from that, and then there was still three and a half more hours of stuff. That was going on, you know, privately in phone calls and text messages before I actually felt comfortable putting a tweet out that said, yeah, an announcement's coming in the next 24 hours and they're probably going to be an interim coach. And yeah, Quenville's a target, but I can't say 100% certainty that he's going to be the guy. Like, so, And that's seven, eight, seven and a half hours later. So that's the process. I mean, that's that's what you're. That's what people don't understand. I think sometimes, and, and so I think that's part of, you know, that's part of what you know when you rip rip us for, oh, you're using sources, you're using sources. Well, you have to, and I get why you why you're why you question it, but you also have to understand why it happens and how it happens. There's just a. It seems like a, a tightrope walk. It this is the thing that that uh, you and I and and Kevin. Kincaid, who uh, covers the Sixers for the site, and formerly had had you know been the beat guy for the Philadelphia Union, like that was a thing that I'd said to him is like, you know, he's in his second year on the beat, uh, on the Sixers beat now. Like, at what point does he start, you know, trying to work on getting sources, or has he already started? And he he just kind of said like, he's not really looking to do it now, because of the amount of of energy it takes to keep those people happy to protect those people, to sit on a lot of information that you just quite frankly can't report, for for him at least, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Or at least, you know, where where he's at uh, in, in his timing on that beat, he just doesn't seem to want to really get into it. Yeah. And, and could he? Sure. Like, Kevin's a very solid reporter. Like, Kevin does a very good job. I, I'm very confident that if, if he decided that he wanted to be, like, the source guy, like... He could be. He he could be. Yeah, and I and I think but the difference. There's, there's I think a, that, there's a lot to that. Yeah, and, and I think that, I think that's something I can say this. I think a little bit, you know, more clearly is, you know, when you go from being a fan to then being down around the team or covering the team, like there is a, a definite shift in the way that you approach things. And from the fan perspective, I spent most of my my time always thinking like, if these people have sources, why aren't they just telling us? as fans, everything that they hear. Like, why would you not do that? And the longer I've been down with you, uh, down at Wells Fargo Center, like, the more that I understand why you can't do it. And as a fan, you selfishly would want 
to get every, you know, every whisper. But yeah, to your point about misinformation, like, I, I don't know if this happens. And I don't know if you could speak to this, because I, I don't know if it's happened with this team before in the, what, 18, 19 years you've covered them, or, um, you know, with anybody else, you know, from, from the national or rather market media. But I have to think that at some point, like, new ownership comes in, or a new front office comes in, I have to think that it's at some point, like, doesn't a front office or doesn't an ownership group try to burn sources? Don't they feed misinformation and see if anybody picks up up on it? And if they do, they can kind of limit the scope of, of where it could have come from. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being like Bond villain writer here. But like, <laughs> I, yeah, I like, think it's possible. Could, could I, I mean, think I that like Dave Scott is super cynical and like maybe he's going to try to weed these things out and figure out who's talking to who. Like maybe. I mean, he's, he's got, I mean, represents Comcast Spectacore. They're they're a big they're a big deal. Yeah. They've got a, they've got a lot of money. I mean, they're pretty much a perfect Bond villain. Ask customer service. Hashtag Comcast cares. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I'm sure that I'm sure people have resorted to that. I mean, when I think back, like, what's the one? Like, if I try and go back and say, what's the one report that I put out there that ended up being completely wrong? Um, I I go back to jeez, uh, what. It was an off season. It was a July one, and Michael Hanzus was looking to sign with a team, and I was talking to the agent at the time, um, and the agent insisted to me that uh, Hanzus had a deal in place with the Flyers, um, but he was considering another offer, but he had one in place with the Flyers. And we were going back and forth and back and forth. And I finally just – I said, okay, I'm going to put it out. And so I put it out on Twitter. I said, yeah, uh, Michael Hanzus is going is coming back to the Flyers. Because I was convinced – because the agent told me. It was the deal was done, um, probably going to come to the Flyers. He was considering another offer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, finally, I got a call from – I put it out on Twitter. And I got a call from somebody in the Flyers. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we haven't even – we've not even discussed him. Like we haven't even sent an off, we haven't even contacted the agent, and I'm like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, uh, and they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, well, "What the hell?" Like, <laughs> like this guy's never burned me before. Like it, this is this is this was you know, like I had never had this problem before, and 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 so then I had to go and you know do a little bit of a mea culpa after that, like because it it was almost like I was making it up, right? Um, so th- I think back, I think that's probably the one that was really. The, the one that was the furthest off, completely off, wasn't even true, and I put it out there. Um, so, but that wasn't malicious. No, no. For those, no, for those, for those who have been listening to us yeah. the whole time, like go back to the media episode that some people loved and some people hated where yeah. you, know, you talked about a certain uh, former beat writer who <laughs> used to just kind of sit at his well, keyboard make, and, and, make, and... Make stuff up? Yeah, legitimately make stuff up. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so, yeah, so like... So that was a so that was kind of a thing, um, but going back to what you were saying about Kevin Kincaid, like I like I look at Kevin and I think that we have different audiences. Okay, I think people come to Crossing Broad to read Kevin's stuff, Kevin's analysis because it's a very sharp, uh, smart, um, informed analysis on basketball and on the Sixers, and he really does a nice job in like breaking that stuff down and everything. And so I think that. I think that's what everybody's coming to our site to read Sixers for. When people come to read Flyers and read what I'm writing, um, 
I, I think it's a different audience. I think it's people who know that I've been covering this team for almost two decades, that I used to work at the, work for the team, so I'm obviously connected to a lot of people down there. Um, and so therefore that what I'm providing, the information I'm providing, is probably going to be a little bit more um, – I don't want to say informed. That's that's a that's an unfair word because I think that a lot of the beat writers are informed, but a, a little bit more uh, targeted and and reliable from a team angle. From so I don't know. I, I don't know if that means that you know. Oh well, you know, Anthony's going to always offer what the what the team wants them to say. I, I don't think that's the case because I do think I criticize them. <laughs> very much a lot um so i think that there's there's more to it than that but i do think that you know when when there are criticisms that are kind of rampant i'm willing to give them an opportunity to figure it out and and, and say why that is the way it is and and sometimes i will offering offer a minority opinion um on a player or or a coach or a performance or whatever the case might be. So so I think that that's why people will read me. And I think that that's that's a little bit different. So when Kevin's like, well, he doesn't feel the need to, you know, be the guy developing sources, it's because he's got an audience that's not looking for that. But I have a feeling that the hockey audience who's reading my stuff is reading my stuff, uh, at least at least I'd like to think that's the case, is reading my stuff because they um because they they know respect know that it's going to right they know they know that that's kind of what I'm going to provide and I mean I I, I think like to think that that's the case so uh, for what it's worth all right makes sense yeah I think it does okay hopefully good. I have a feeling that there there are going to be some people that are are going to feel a little bit a little bit better educated on this I hope Although, so. And and I don't even think the people who call you condescending are going to think you're condescending in that. <laughs> so, how about that? Yeah, right. Go go figure. So we have we have a lot of questions. Um, I I think, man, like where do we even go from here? So, um, Dave Hackstall loses his job. It it's a it's a shame on a human level because you don't want to see anybody lose their their job their livelihood. Uh, he'll still get paid, so there is a, a silver lining in that, I suppose. Um, a somewhat tumultuous tenure as the the flyers coach um i you know we've we've talked a lot this season especially about you know just how well respected was he within the locker room and we've talked about that that locker room and i I think that quite frankly is is the next thing that chuck fletcher needs to look at and uh you know if if john bork's report today is to be uh believed and we're recording this monday uh bork came out with essentially saying that the reason that that things seemed so helter-skelter with Hackstall's dismissal, why there wasn't a press release provided to the media um, prior to them being allowed into to practice, might have had something to do with the fact that Chuck Fletcher had no intention of firing Dave Hackstall. Um, I, I don't know if you want to elaborate on it at all from from what you know, but but what it, what it sounded like, at least in Bork's report, is that... Um, Hackstall approached Chuck Fletcher with all of these rumors kind of circulating with knowing that there had been a feeling within the organization that he might eventually lose his job or it, it might have become an inevitability and he wanted a vote of confidence. Fletcher couldn't give it to him and and, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. I, Accurate? I, inaccurate? It's, Partial it's, truth? It's it's not it's not Fake compl- news? It's not completely inaccurate. Um and it's also not completely accurate as well. 
Um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you have as many people reporting on Sunday, like we were, that this was coming, it's not like there was no that this wasn't coming, right? I mean, so to sit there and say Chuck Fletcher didn't want to fire him, maybe he didn't want to fire him today, Monday. Maybe he wanted to fire him after Christmas. Maybe he wanted to fire him in January or maybe at the trade deadline. To, maybe he wanted to fire him when he knew that, you know, if the organization, if he wanted or if Dave Scott wanted Joel Quenville to be the hire, right. they actually had a tentative agreement yeah, in place I mean, with the guy before I mean, they fired their coach. So I think, and I think that that's the, that's the thing that I took away from, from watching um, his presser today was that if – you know, when the questions were asked about, was asked who was replacing Scott Gordon um, as the coach of the Phantoms, the the look on his face when he when Fletcher said, "Well, we still we're still trying to work that out," <laughs> I think that is indicative of the fact that they probably didn't have a plan in place for for that to, for today. Because isn't that crazy? Because it wasn't it wasn't something. Again, I think this became a self fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways. In other words, they were going to do it, and they were going to do it at some point. And it could have been this week. It could have been next week. It could have been whenever. But it was going to happen. Um, but that once it became such a such a wild story on Sunday that everybody was talking about, and it was all it was international. I mean, it was picked up by you know every uh, you know TSN had a story. TSN picked up. Dave Isaac's story first, um, and then they took it down after Drager reported that um, Quenville had not even been contacted yet. Um, but I mean, it was everywhere. And once you have that, I mean, what could what could they have done? I mean, how does Dave Haxtell come in and work? How's it fair for him to do any do his job? You know, at that point, even if you weren't planning on firing him today. I mean, how does how does the guy come in and do a job today, with he, with knowing all this information that's out there? It's not like it was some little secret that was kept to a small group of people. This was national news, international news. So what do you do? So I think that at that point, if you're Chuck Fletcher, you have to just expedite it and and make the move, and which is what he did today. So it's not that he didn't want to fire him, which is I think that's where John Bork's story is a little off. I. Chuck Fletcher was always going to fire Dave Haxtall. He just may not have wanted to do it today. And and I think that that's, that's where John's story is probably most accurate. And um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's evident by the fact that they are trying to figure out who the hell is going to be the minor league coach now. <laughs> Isn't it like the, the thing that I think is so surprising about it is I, I feel like as an organization, you should have gone into damage control mode Sunday night, right? Like if, if you knew that it it had gotten picked up not only in the Philly market but nationally, internationally, as you mentioned with TSN, like, isn't it your responsibility as an organization to have a plan in place? Yeah, but like, what are you going to do? Like, what, if, maybe if, they if, don't if, expect it. So, so here's the thing. So Chuck Fletcher's brand new here, right? He doesn't yeah. know he doesn't know us from Adam, and so all of a sudden we're putting these stories out, and he's like, "Whoa, what the hell?" Like he's on a plane flying from Vancouver to Philadelphia. Like he has Pretty no long idea. Flight. Yeah, and so he really has no idea. 
that this is that this is really you know happening. Now I will say the one thing is is that what do you mean he doesn't know? Well, so so he has, he, the, he has internet on the plane, right? But, but do you honestly think that he's sitting there scouring Twitter to see that? Dave Isaac and I are tweeting that this is well, happening. I, I, mean, I don't in, think in so. In fairness, Anthony, it's not like it's just the GM, the coach, and the players on the plane yeah, totally but I've, disconnected I've, from humanity. Like they're uh, yes, I mean, yes. The, the PR staff knows it's going down. But like, I've been. But listen to me. I've been on. I've been on like, that plane. I've been on that plane. Now you're sounding condescending. No, but I. No, but what I'm. I'm what I mean by that is that you'd be really surprised at how little. you know how little stuff is happening with the outside world on that plane there's a lot you know the guys are playing cards or playing video games whatever the pr people they're not i mean they're we're all sitting that you used to when the media used to travel with them we sit in the back of the plane and you know you, you get something to eat you maybe you read a book maybe you listen to music you sleep i mean you, you really got to try and catch up on these flights so i mean there's a lot of stuff that that takes place but maybe not so much now I, i'm not sitting here saying that of the you know, 50-some people from the organization who are on the plane that no one is connecting to the Internet and seeing what's going on. That's not true. I mean, obviously someone's picking up on it. But do you think if a player is monitoring Twitter and sees that, that they're going to go say something to the coach or to the general manager? What I can tell you is, is I know that the two of them were talking on the plane at least at some point about making the change to bring Carter Hart up. Which we haven't even discussed yet on this show, which we'll get to shortly. I just kind of wanted to avoid it. Yeah, um, but that was that discussion was taking place between the general manager and the coach on the plane. So, if that conversation's happening at the time when we're putting this stuff out there, four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon, and then the world is blowing up, do you th- what's Chuck Fletcher supposed to do at that point? Like, what's really what's he supposed to do? So, I think that that's what. That's when you say, well, they shouldn't have, shouldn't they have a plan in place? If they weren't expecting this story to come out yesterday, then what, what, what's your backup plan? You always, should you always have a plan in place for the firing of a potential, yeah. of a coach? Yeah. You're going to say I think publicly? You should. No, yeah. Come on, Rush, you can't do that. Why not? That's, that's too much. I mean, so, so he should have a plan, he should have a plan in place for whoever he hires as the new coach. He should have a plan in place for well, it's a new coach. Well, but that's my point. Look, when, well, what I'm saying is like when you're going through the interview process, like isn't one of the first questions, what do you want to do a coach? Like, isn't, isn't that a thing? What do you think of this coach? And, and like, are you going to evaluate and give this guy a fair shake? Which is what Paul Holmgren had said, you know, he had hoped would happen in the aftermath of the Hextall firing is that Whoever the new GM is, we hope he gives a fair shake, gives a, an actual opportunity to, to Dave Hackstall. Like, yeah, I, I would think that if you're a front office guy and you get hired, you know that if there's a possibility that at some point you might pursue bringing in a new coach, knowing that there could potentially be some downtime, there might not be a perfect overlap, I would think that the thought had to go through your head of, of who you might shuffle up or down. Like, I, I don't think that's totally unreasonable. I mean, at least on an interim basis, like you would put out the speculation at the end of November about, you know, if um, if Le Perrier were let go, what that shuffling could look like. I mean, you had a contingency plan. You had already kind of worked it out in your in your post. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's totally unreasonable. Maybe well, I'm but, crazy. Well, but, yeah, like, but, they, but they had something. Right. I mean, so they did. I mean, they, they had that Gordon the pl- that Gordon was coming up, but they, you know. In the, what, 12 hours it took from the time the flight landed until it actually came out, they didn't actually have Scott Gordon 
uh, you know, at Skate Zone to run that practice, well, which you... I didn't expect. Like that, that's very short notice. But uh, I don't know. Like, why not just send Knobloch down? Wasn't that that was a, a thing in the past, right? That, yeah, that the no, organization I, I, kind of viewed Knobloch as a potential still, head coach in waiting. Like, why I not just send think, him down? I still think it might eventually be that. But if you're going to go with Scott Gordon as your interim coach, what's the point in in blowing up your other coaches? Like, why send? Why get rid of Knobloch now? Because the power play sucks. Yeah, but 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 who are you bringing in for an interim coach? This is what I'm saying. Literally anyone else. <laughs> but so so I think that's why these guys are sticking around, and they're only sticking around until a new coach gets here. When the new coach will be able to bring whatever assistance he wants. Will he though? Yes. Will he? Because yes. ha- we've the only one. This. The, this the only been, one who I thing. think like Dave Hextall was only allowed to bring in what two? It, but that was Hextall. No, he was no. He didn't bring in anybody under Hextall. The only one he brought in was Rick Wilson, yeah. and that was what last after week. Hex, yeah, after Hextall was after like, Hextall yeah. was gone. So, so I mean, I think I think Rick Wilson is the only assistant coach who will ultimately survive this. I think whoever the next coach is after Scott Gordon will not retain either Ian Leperrier or Chris Knobloch as an assistant coach. But the organization does like Knobloch enough that I would not be surprised if he was given another gig with the Phantoms. So, I mean, and I still, I still maintain that just from conversations that I've had. Do you think there would be a, a push from the organization to say, "Look, like if Gordon does a good job as interim coach, and they know that long term, there's no real plan to to make him the permanent guy." I mean, for the love of God, please let's let's not bring an interim guy uh, and and promote him to full time coach, right? Like I, I've seen I've seen the story enough. I don't need to see it again. I'm also a Philadelphia Union fan. That's what they do. They get rid of a coach. The interim guy comes in. He has no shot to become the full time guy, the permanent hire, and and it happens every time. And then you're just mired in mediocrity. So like, let's say that Scott Gordon actually does a good job. He has plenty of of an understanding of how a lot of this young core, especially some of the underperforming young core, um, you know, got to where they got uh, going through the minor league system. So if, if Gordon does a good job and has good relationships with those players, like, is that maybe the one guy? I mean, like Wilson, I think has enough respect within the league and within the game um, and in, in coaching circles to, to be worth keeping on. But is Gordon like maybe the one guy that the organization says, hey, we, we really do want you to, to keep this guy on. That's our contingency to whatever coach comes in. Like, it's not totally out of the, the realm of possibility, right? And he's also, like, a pretty darn good special teams coach. I will say this. At least at the AHL. It really depends on who the coach is. If you're, t- if you're talking about Q being the next coach here, whether it's next week, next month, next season, and Q says, I only come there if I bring my own assistance. Are you going to sit there and not hire Joel Quenville because you want to feel loyal to Chris Knobloch or Ian LaPerriere? No. Not to those guys. That's, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. My, like, Gor- uh, well, I'm saying like Gordon, I feel Scott, like even Scott, a little bit different. Even Scott Gordon. Do you, do you feel like you'd say, eh, now we'll pass on you, Q? We don't want to hurt Scott Gordon's feelings. I don't know. Can can, we, can you tell me if if we're blowing up this core at all? Because uh, I'm not I'm not so sure that bringing Joel Quenville in with the uh, with the crew that we've been around all season is is going to go well. It, no, and, and I think that this core will does absolutely 100 percent need to change. Um, there's no doubt about it. 
it's just that it it it's just that I, you're not going to you're not going to hold back on a coach just for Loyalty to, to an assistant. Yeah, okay. loyalty to Got one it. of the lo- guys lower down the totem pole. Now, if you bring in a guy who doesn't have the cachet that Joel Quenville has, you know, then maybe you could sit there and say, hey, you know, we'd really like this guy to stay. Can we keep him on your staff? We'll let you hire the other two guys. We're talking like, yeah. a, like a Mike Yeo? Yeah, I, I, whatever. I mean, if that's who it ends up being or whoever else, right? Um because there won't, there will be a plethora of names available in the off season if this if this does stretch that long. And the interesting thing that you know, I mean, Fletcher did say today that he expects <laughs> expects being the key word that um, that Scott Gordon will be the coach for the remainder of the season. But he also said I made him no promises. So you know, he does leave wiggle room there that he could, in fact bring in a coach before the end of the season um so there is that possibility uh but yeah it was interesting that that fletcher kept saying i have not spoken to joel quinville in two years doesn't mean that somebody within the organization hasn't gotten word out to yeah yeah. to the the uh you know there's aforementioned party's agent yeah right i mean it, it could people hockey is too small of a world for people not to talk to one another so if you're, you know, if you talk to the agent or somebody else makes a, you know, quick phone call quietly behind the scenes, there's, you know, you, you don't you don't worry about tampering per se, but um, yeah, I mean it happens. It's it's all over the place, right? So yeah, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in that whole. Well, we haven't spoken in two years thing. Okay, maybe you haven't, but that doesn't mean that he's not readily aware of the situation here and maybe hasn't communicated with someone who can communicate with someone who can, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that those things happen. People are in the know, like Chuck Fletcher would know if Joel Quenville was interested in coaching the flyers and Joel Quenville would know if the flyers were interested in potentially hiring him, even if they've never spoken to one another. Got it. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So what you're saying is Joel Quinville is going to be introduced, what, tomorrow? <laughs> Wednesday? Whenever he gets done skiing? No. No. I don't I don't think that this is a – I think this is a – they're playing a game of chicken with one another. And, and you know, Quinville can wait. I mean, the, the beauty of it is, is he's getting paid $6 million this year to not coach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was – it's funny you say he was skiing. That's where he is. He's skiing in Colorado. And the last time we saw him, he was doing shots in the – parking lot of soldier Soldier field Field, with bears fans right and so i mean there's you know the guy's kind of living it up right now he's having a he's having a good good uh good time (laughs) as it were um so yeah so that's just i think that you're you're gonna see if if it takes a while with him because he wants to wait and see if other opportunities arise that maybe you're he thinks are better um and if and if so, you know, does he take that instead? I don't know. I, it's it's a great question. It's, I've got to be honest though. Like I, I worry about what could happen here in the in the short term. Uh-huh. And by short term, I even I even mean going into next season. Like I look at what happened with the Sixers and with the extended plan of the process, and then trying to move that timetable up, and then realizing that pretty quickly you're left with no depth. Like I look at the team right now. And you, you have a team that has no depth, but in theory has a lot of great top-end talent. You're also unsure about the coach. And I look at this and I go, man, you know, you've got a treasure trove of assets. You've got 
a really stocked minor league system, you've got some some attractive uh, players for you know on the trade market in in terms of established veterans that are members of this core, and then younger players as well who maybe some fans overvalue or tend to overvalue, um, and some guys that I, I don't think fans really expect to see traded that very likely could like Shane Goss's bear. Um, and I just think like, man, you know, I, I don't think Quenville jives well with this locker room, which is something that you and I talked about yesterday. He won't, he won't, uh, he won't put up with Nolan Patrick. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, I want to get back to that in a second, but, <laughs> uh, you know, like, let's say that, that, that Dave Scott and Comcast Spectacor says, you know what, like the way that we get people through the turnstiles is by getting a few big names and making a few splashes. My, my worry, my fear is that you end up hiring a coach that's really not the right guy. It's somebody who has a great pedigree. And in theory, like, I don't think you can p- complain if the team ends up getting Joel Quenville. You should probably be elated if you're a fan. Um, but with this current locker room, I don't see it working. Um, so then does that mean that that we're now going to watch guys like Ghost get traded, guys like Sanheim get thrown into deals for not an aging veteran, but somebody who's probably on the... I don't know, the, the end of their prime years. Um, do we see them go out and splurge a ton of money in free agency next year? Yeah, I, I would think they're going to splurge a quite, you know, quite a bit of money. Um, but are they going to end up making moves that are, you know, flashy and are going to bring fans in, but might not make them instant cup contenders? The, that's the thing that I fear. That's the thing that I think as a fan, people should be cognizant of and maybe a little bit worried about. Um, I don't know how fair it is. But I, I could understand from a business perspective if you're Comcast Spectacor making a few big moves because, quite frankly, you know, looking at prospects and looking at young players and hoping that they develop over the next three or four years, that does nothing to help the bottom line this year or next year. So I feel like at some point somebody has to make a, a declarative statement about what the vision of this team going forward is. And, and quite frankly, I, I don't think there is one. I don't think there has been one. I, I feel like it's been, you know, under Hextall, it was... You know, we're building to something. We don't have a, an end date of when that is. But at some point, we'll all, almost like the, the hinkyism, like, we'll know. We'll all know. And in this case, like, I, I still don't think there's a, a real vision for this team of what the team's identity is. And part of that now is because you don't have a coach. But team doesn't really have an identity. I would argue that the team really hasn't shown a lot of heart. I know that Chuck Fletcher said in his presser today, that you know he he still sees a heart in this team. I, I don't see it. I don't see any kind of grit. I'm I'm not seeing a team that looks like they're playing hard for one another. If they were, I think you would see more performances of you know better than oh you know we played a good 20 minute period or we played a good 10 minute stretch in a 20 minute period and then the wheels came off. I don't know. I I don't see I don't see a lot of things that fans want to have happen working for this team right now. I think you need to have a total reconstruction of the roster. And and quite frankly, can you do it on the fly? Can you rebuild and gut a core and, and trade off some of these younger guys and hire a, you know, a multiple Stanley cup winning coach and make the playoffs this year? Like that, that seems like a real, a real tall task. What is crazy? No, it's, it is a real tall, but see, that's what you're saying. Like, I think that you're a little, a little off in the sense that you're like, you're saying, well, they need to do it this year. And I I don't think you need to make a complete overhaul of this roster. I think that there are a handful of moves that need to be made. 
Um, but I think that's the that's the, the the key thing is, you know, and and this is a great a great bit a great item that I uh, saw in uh, a story written by Craig Custance, Craig Custance, who I first met back in uh, I want to say '05. I think he was covering the Atlanta Thrashers for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And he's bounced all over the place and became a national NHL writer, worked at ESPN for a while. Now he's uh, at The Athletic in Detroit um, and uh, covers the Red Wings, does a really good job there. But he did a story, um, I think it was today, as a matter of fact. Maybe it was, maybe it was Sunday, but it, may, it might have been today, um, where he uh, broke down every NHL general manager uh, and how often they trade and when they trade and the types of trades that they make. Um, and basing – using um, his uh, – Chuck Fletcher's era in Minnesota, uh, Fletcher makes 80% of his trades between January 1st and the trade deadline. 80%. The next closest GM to that total – was I believe sixty four percent. I'm going to look it up real quick um, to see what to see what it was. Uh, let's see. So Fletcher was eighty, and most active during trade deadline window. Lou Lamorello sixty five was second. So and then Jarmo Kekalainen from uh, Columbus was third at sixty three. So but Fletcher eighty percent of his trades occur between January first and the trade deadline. So I think. We're going to see a lot of moves coming up here for the for the um, for the Flyers. And I think that Chuck Fletcher is hitting his hitting his window when he likes to make these these things happen. Get your popcorn ready. Yeah, man, it's going to happen. There's going to be some stuff going down. This isn't it. This is this is not the last shoe to drop in Flyer Land for this year. I promise you that. One of the things that was in your piece over the weekend that I thought was interesting, and, and we've talked a lot about which guy could be the first to go. We've we've speculated that, you know, maybe it ends up being Wayne Simmons, maybe it ends up being Jake Voracek. You'd posited a, a an interesting deal uh, involving uh, Simmons going to Toronto. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Well, what I can tell you is is that there have been conversations with the Maple Leafs. Um, the Leafs really feel like I mean, and they're a really good offensive team, right? But I think that they feel like that they're missing a, a real a real power forward ever since they got rid of Van Riemsdyk. Well, they didn't Can get rid I of him, interest but, you in James Van Riemsdyk? <laughs> they didn't get rid of him, but they, um, he signed he signed as a free agent with the Flyers. So um, I think that that that's something that they're looking for, and so I think Wayne Simmons going, you know, the, the Maple Leafs are also in a, in a tight spot for their salary cap beyond this year. I mean, really tight spot. So they're really going to look for a power forward who does not have term and, and money um, beyond this season. So they're looking for, they would like to find like a rental. But they want somebody who they can bring in sooner rather than later. They don't want it to just be end of February and then they play a month and a half and end the playoffs. They, they're really trying to hope to get somebody that can really you know, make a push because they want to catch Tampa. They want to win the Atlantic Division. They want to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and have everything go through Toronto, which is a crazy place to be come playoff time. And, you know, so that's kind of what they're pushing for. And so Wayne Simmons certainly interests them. Um, and I kind of heard that there's been some conversation there, been a little back and forth. Um, 
and that the Flyers' interest is in a, a former Flyer son, and that's Kasperi Kapanen. And Kapanen's in his, I don't want to call it his first full season um, because he hasn't played a full season yet, but um, only played 38 games last year, really didn't you know provide much offense. But he's actually scored 12 goals in 31 games so far this year. They have 22 points in 31 games or 32 games, whatever they've played so far. Um, so he's, he's starting to come around as a guy um, – that they really feel like uh, could be, uh, you know, could be something that would be a nice young piece of a, of a future core. He's only 22 years old. So I think that that's, there's something there. I think that there's some legs to that. There might be more involved. Now, the thing that I haven't quite gleaned quite yet from the people that I've talked to is, was this a deal that, that was this the deal that Hextall was working on when he was fired? Or is this something that has come up since Chuck Fletcher has been there? So that, that I've not been able to discern. So that's why I haven't really – I've speculated about it uh, in my post and now here on the, uh, on the podcast. But I have not kind of reported it because I, I've not been able to glean where that, where that delineation occurred. Got it. Let's get to some questions. You yeah, ready? I'm ready. I love questions. We love questions. It's mm-hmm. the uh, the Snow the Goalie podcast, of course, the People's Podcast. So let's get to uh, to. Oh, there's so much. There are so many. All right. Uh, I did like, by the way, there was some really good imagery that was going on Twitter earlier today mm-hmm. between you and uh, and Superfan BJ Beretta. Uh, he said, "Expecting Quenville but getting Gordon today is like asking for a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas, but getting cozy socks. The warm cozy socks are more practical, but not as exciting." And you said it's the pink bunny suit. And that's that, right. That's totally, that is definitely it. Well, I mean, what else could it be, right? Yep. Uh, so let's get into uh, some more questions. So Todd Shannon, at T Shannon NJ on, uh, on Twitter says, uh, what style system will Scott Gordon run? Um, I don't think it'll be much different offensively. I think it's going to be a very similar system to what they've already had in place. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think that you're looking at a difference. I think there's going to be a change in the PK, and and that's weird to say because the PK has actually been somewhat better of late. But Gordon really was known um, both as when he was an assistant coach in the, N- in the NHL and a head coach in the NHL, and now since he's been a head coach in the AHL, as a guy who. Uh, really does well with the penalty kill. So I think you might see um, a, a change to the way the PK plays. Um, but the, the one thing that I like about the Phantoms and the way that they play is they, they, they're aggre- an aggressive skating team. Um, they do focus on team defense. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think he's going to try and close. Uh, the, the, the Flyers' biggest issue is their, outside of goaltending is their breakout and how, how the puck turns into a hand grenade when they start passing it to one another it just kind of blows up on their on the end of their stick i think he's going to try and and make simpler plays for them to get out of the zone um be a little bit closer together don't keep trying for stretch plays i mean one of the thing you know we sit there up in the press box and we say how the hell does dale weiss keep getting out on these breakaways and and i think and you know you see tk doing it a lot too i think that they're coached to as soon as they see a, a potential 
possession change to just take off. It's like a fast break in basketball, right? Get down the court. I think it's the same concept here with the Flyers, and the, uh, the Flyers would, would try and make that happen. They would try and make that home run play. Um, and in reality, they really shouldn't because they don't have the players to keep doing that with success on a regu- on the regular basis, right? So I think then what you'll see is a lot more conservative, a lot more dink and dunk, a lot more, you know, check downs. If we were to make, make other sport references here, um, I think that's what you're going to see more of with this group. And, and I think that's what Scott Gordon brings as the head coach for however long he's here. Jerry Temple asked if there are any guesses on new lines or deep pairings under Gordon and then asks about Carter Hart, which we didn't even get to. Um, I don't really think there's a whole lot to say about Carter Hart getting the call up. I know a lot of people are going to you know, be excited. The fans are getting what they had clamored for in the preseason, but yeah. ulti- ultimately like you're going to get a 20 year old kid who probably isn't ready to come up. And quite frankly, uh, is being set up in a in a sense is being set up to fail with a poor playing defensive core in front of him and a group of forwards who often cheat for a breakaway more so than get back and check within their own defensive zone. So I don't know. I guess we'll we'll find out if Carter Hart at 20 years old with minimal AHL experience can come in and steal games for you. Yeah, I, I think he's going to get a game here. I think he's going to play Tuesday. Um, beyond that I don't know I think that I think that they're I think that a goal trading for a goalie is a really high priority on on Chuck Fletcher's list right now um and I think that that's uh, uh that's something he's going to try and do so I I think Carter Hart is here short short term I mean it, 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 Fletcher even said it today this is not the most ideal time for Carter he said what it. In his, we in his we tried card. every we we tried everything else. <laughs> we tried every other goalie in the organization. Yeah. is what he said. Um, so I mean, you know, poor Felix Sandstrom is is sitting somewhere. Yeah, saying, Yo, come on, man. But I think that I think it's you know, hey, if Carter comes in and steals the show and and plays his you know plays his ass off, that's that's great. That's that's gravy. But you can't expect that. And even if he has a bad game, you can't criticize. If he even has a good game, you can't praise him and say, ah, see, we should have been up all along. I, I think that there's a lot more to this, and I, I, I just I don't think that they're looking to, um, you know, to make him the guy from this point forward. I, it's, I don't see that happening. Uh, the other question was, do I expect new lines? One I think that you're going to see is I think they're going to try and play Nolan Patrick with Claude Giroux. And what did I say on the last show? Yeah, I think they're, they're going to try that. I, I, don't, I don't know – you know, if, so if you go Patrick Giroux, Konechny as your top line, there's a lot of skill there. But boy, oh boy, there's no defensive presence whatsoever. I mean, none. That's okay. Go I, put him out there with uh, oh, with defensive stalwart uh, Andrew McDonald and, and maybe Shane Gostisbehere. Yeah, maybe you can get away with that as a line in a home game because you get the last change, right? And yeah. and so you can you can match up match them up against who you want to play them against. Um, but you can't trot that line out on the road. You'll get slaughtered. <laughs> I don't get well. Destroyed. In fairness, they get slaughtered on the road quite uh, frequently, so uh, I don't think it can be all that much worse. Yeah. So it'll can be I just co- say, like, go ahead. I, I think there's a lot of logic to this, and I think from Chuck Fletcher's perspective, you like, I, I, I don't know if he's the one who influenced this this move or not, but like, I think there's a lot of sound rationale behind it because, like, we talked about on the last show, like, Nolan Patrick's production, points production at least, has been so abysmal this season. And he's on track to, I think, uh, have about the same amount of points as he did last year. Uh, 
if if I'm the Flyers, I want to know what I have in Nolan Patrick right now. We talked about on the last show that he probably should have gotten a year in the AHL. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit more of a of a pressure on um, on Hextall's part to, you know, get him up and and have fans, you know, feel like they could see that the next generation or, or whatever the thought process was of, of having him, you know, be essentially guaranteed a spot at, at a camp last year. Um, if playing with Claude Giroux doesn't get you on the on the stat sheet in terms of points, in terms of assists, or getting yourself some open looks at the net and getting a couple goals here, then, I mean, at some point you have to see Patrick get probably demoted to, what, 3C? Maybe get sent down? Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I would assume that at some point if he's not going to be the 3C, then at least you know if you're Chuck Fletcher that you need to go out and acquire another center because, as always, it feels like the organization has a ton of centers, but none of them are particularly good uh, in terms of you know being able to come up from the AHL and, and be a long-time or a long-term contributor to to this team in any kind of meaningful top nine role, right? So, right. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how how uh, how well that lasts or how well that works. Just wait. Our, Nolan Patrick in the next five games is going to have like thirteen points. Yeah. So the second line will be Couturier between uh, JVR and Simmons. I'm I'm sorry, Simmons and Van Reems. Uh, Simmons and Voracek. Van Reemsdijk will be on the third line uh, with uh, thirty-five Lawton. million. Yeah, Ooh. Lawton and Lawton and Raffle. And then your fourth line is going to be, uh, let's see, Weiss, um, Veroni, and Lindblom. Uh, and Laterra and Wheel, I think, are going to be your extra guys. So, Veroni. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chuck Fletcher likes him for some reason. I mean, you know, he is, he's, he's, it's not like he's a prospect. I mean, he's 28 years old. He's a career AHLer. But you know what? Some, sometimes you get guys like that who, uh, you know, who've been – paying their dues for a long time who are just waiting for an opportunity and a fourth line role is kind of what they they fit and and they do a nice job in limited minutes and you know I, i'm I have i'm no not problem. here I have, for rudy I, i'm here to win hockey games i have no problem trying he has not looked bad in the games he's played i think phil veroni's played well now it's what three games he's played but yeah. um let's wait and see but i you know in that role i don't think it's a i don't think it's a bad role for him uh mike seto on twitter at M Death and Taxes, do you think Fletcher will give Gordon a month or two to see if his coaching changes things before moving any core pieces, or is his mind made up given the repeated problems with this group of players? I think you already kind of talked about. Well, this, I, I think that I think that they're going to get a, try and get a goalie right away. I think that's Corey the, Crawford concussed that causes a few yeah, problems. Yeah, that's not good. Um, but I think uh, we got to remember, you know, I mean, there's Jonathan Quick too. He's available. Um, and uh, Craig Anderson in Ottawa is available. Um, so there's some players that are out there. I, I think that's going to be first. But I, I do think you're going to see at least a, another week or so before you, you will really start talking about breaking up the core um, just to kind of see how the player – I think Fletcher wants to see how these players react to the coaches firing. Um, I mean, one thing – that was the one thing he said also today. He's like, hey, this is – Dave Haxel's a, a good coach. He's, he's a good hockey guy. Um, this is all on the players. I mean, that was something he said, which I'm glad he said, because this is all on the players. Um, and it, so it's going to be interesting to see how they react. And the one thing, that, another thing that he said that was really f- refreshing is he says, look, it's a clean slate with a new coach. And he says, a lot of guys are going to come in and, 
you know, they're going to get an opportunity to play more minutes than they have before, and other guys are going to get, you know, probably play less than they have before. And uh, so it's going to be good for some and not good for others. And he's, this is the stuff that the general manager was saying. So there's going to be some, some real interesting uh, dynamics, I think, around this locker room moving forward uh, with Scott Gordon as the coach and, and really kind of give you an idea, I think, of what Chuck Fletcher's thinking as far as the roster's concerned moving forward. Luke Rochetto, or Crosetto, depends on, I guess, how he pronounces it, asked about Gordon's coaching style, which we already kind of touched on. Um, and just kind of brought up the fact that the Flyers have been so heavily rumored in chasing uh, Quenville, but Fletcher said he hasn't spoken to him in two years, which I think we also got to. Um, Mike Assetto had a, uh, a theoretical trade that he wanted to get our opinion on. Okay. St. Louis Blues get Jake Voracek, Shane Gostisbehere, a protected first-rounder, Sam Moran, and a B-level prospect. The Flyers get Tarasenko and Preco. Your thoughts? I don't think I don't think you have to give up that much. Voracek, Gostisbehere, and a first round pick, and Moran and a B level prospect, and Moran. Yeah, I don't think you need to give up that much for those for those two. No, no, I no, I don't. I think I think. So let's put it this way: I think Voracek for Tarasenko straight up would work. I just just for kicks. That's not anything that's real but i'm just saying it, it i think if if st louis was given an option i think they would make that they would make that trade and i think the flyers if given the option would make that trade so then you're basically saying you got to trade gosses bear first round pick and moran for Pareko? no it's too much i don't think you need to give up that much i it's, it's an interesting concept it's an interesting thought the blues are willing trading partners they said that they're looking to you know kind of rebuild a little bit um, I I don't know. I think that's a it's an interesting it's an interesting offer. I I don't think it happens, but I think it's an interesting discussion. What do you think the likelihood is that Ghost ends up getting dealt? I think it's better than fifty percent at this point, and I I can't believe I'm saying that because I I wouldn't have said it at the beginning of the season. But he's just been so bad this year, and I have a feeling that there's a little disconnect in that locker room with him. He's hmm. not he's not done well with any coach that he's had at this level. And I mean I mean head and assistant. <laughs> Ooh. So um yeah, I I think that I think that he he's gonna go. If I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think that it's more let's put it in the more likely than not likely category. Okay. Steve Appleman says, where did the Flyers go from here in terms of playing for the future? Do they need to salvage the season in an attempt to make the playoffs, or do they lose for Hughes and use their goalie situation as an excuse to get a top draft pick? I would I would try and lose for Hughes at this point. I, and it's only because making up the difference that they have to make up. I mean, eight points doesn't sound like all that much in the division, but there's those three teams at the top of the division are significantly better than the Flyers, and it's really going to be hard to catch them. So then you say, all right, well, what about a wild card? Well, they're actually further out of the wild card. They're 10 points out of a wild card race. And while I'm not buying Montreal completely right now, I think that they're going to fall back to the pack a little bit. I also think that there's a lot of teams in front of the Flyers who are better than the Flyers at this juncture. So I, I don't see the real benefit at this point. Um, I just don't see it in – in uh, trying to 
get back into the playoff. They're, they're going to say they are because it's too early in the season to not say you are. Um, but I think ultimately Fletcher realizes that this is something that has to that has to be broken up, and you got to be looking at 2019-20 season and not 2018-19. Nick Papillo and uh, Creven Duff both asked about uh, the timing of calling up Carter Hart. Is it too soon? Did he need more time to develop? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, we, well, we I touch mean, on this. It, yeah, it he too, did. It, it's too soon, but they didn't really have much of a choice, right? And I don't think that. Um, again, I, I don't think that long. This is a long term call up. I think this is a short term call up. Unless he comes in and just blows out the competition and just you know shuts them down and putting up tremendous numbers and worth you know like Jim Carrey was in his rookie year with the Washington Capitals way back when. Um, then yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> then you keep them. But so it's a, so it's a no lose situation unless the only way it's a lose situation is if he's getting pummeled and you keep throwing him out there just because you don't have anybody else to put out there. I mean that's that's negligence at that point. Um, but as long as you know, as long as it's either a short term, either he does great and it's good for the good for the Flyers or. He struggles and he gets sent back down again after a couple games. Either case, or he's is, really good and they put Michael Neuver back in because <laughs> that's the cute thing to what do. What does it say about Michael Neuver that he's healthy and he can't even be the starting goalie anymore? Like define it, uh, healthy for Michael oh, Neuver. He's healthy like, enough to get dressed. <laughs> well, <laughs> was it? A, did he get dressed with a button down? Did he try to pull a shirt over his head? I'm, I know, I'm guessing right? he would have probably torn a tendon at that point, right? <laughs> We don't have uh, – there isn't an official word on Brian Elliott yet, right? We, so we, th- what I can say is this. Is that, uh, so there was thought that um, he might need another surgery, uh, but he went and got tests done, and his his tests show that maybe not, um, that there is a path maybe to recovering without the surgery. Um, it's going to be require a longer recovery period. Um, so originally he was only going to be out for a couple of weeks. We're now – at uh, probably at five weeks now that he's been out of the lineup, um, and it's going to be at least another two, probably three or four. Um, I think that you're probably looking sometime in January where he'll come back, and that this will end up being an eight to nine week recovery. Um, and I think if it works out that point, then you you have Elliot plus whoever you Fletcher trades for as your two goalies. Okay. Um, Roar68 says, question, do you feel with Hackstall being fired, it will have a negative effect on Dutch Gretzky's ice time? <laughs> Better yet, do you feel that Gordon brings up uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms players in place of Weiss, Laterra, Manning? Well, I don't know why he says Manning. Manning's gone, but... <laughs> it just feels like he's still here. That's how bad the defense is. <laughs> yeah. um, the Mad Dog! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I look, this is not Scott Gordon's call. This is Chuck Fletcher's call. Scott Gordon is just like, yes, sir, I'm glad I still have a job. Um, Please, sir, I want some more. What? Yeah. Um, no, I don't I don't think you're going to see a lot of Phantoms get called up because they, who? Who are you calling up? Like who that's down there right now? Phil that Myers. Say, that you say, oh, Can I- God, yeah, he should be playing. But he's not playing great. You know, but I think Mark Friedman is playing better defensive hockey for the Phantoms than, than Philip Myers is. So – I mean, if you're going to go to a defenseman, prospect defenseman, he might not be a top prospect, but, you know, he was a third-round pick. I think Friedman's a guy that, you know, you, you can maybe lean on a little bit more um, to fill in a role at this point than you would Myers. So there yep. you go. 
Uh, JB in space says, what percentage of any of heart call up was trying to distract the narrative around botching the coaching change with the news leak? None. none. They had no, they really don't have a choice. I mean, Alex Lyon is not an NHL goalie. He's just not. He's a friend of the show. Yeah. Good. Great guy. Hell of an interview. Fantastic. Great guy. Yeah. Fantastic. But he's not, he's no, he's not, he's not ready for this. This is not, this is not his thing. So, if 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 you're gonna you know, if do you want to have Alex Lyon get pummeled game after game after game? I I don't want to see that. So you might just at this point it's like well we've tried everyone else let's go to Carter. So no I don't think it was to cover the the botching of the coach. Uh, Cliff Watling, and I think this is directed at you. What on the hell happened with the false reports of Quenville coming aboard? So-called sources got it half right, but that's not good enough. Do you trust that source going forward? What happened there? There, uh, there was three or four of you. Oh, that's all the toys in the basement that just fell over. Wow. <laughs> Yo, somebody in this basement is upset. Um, do you trust that source going forward? What happened there? Uh, there was three or four of you that made the report all the same wrong source? Question mark. I, I, I don't. I like I said to somebody else on Twitter earlier. I stand by everything that I've written. I don't think that there's anything that I've written that was wrong um, and how it was worded. Um, I do, if you listened earlier in the show, um, if you haven't, go back and rewind. But uh, but uh, m- maybe it was answered then. I, there are um, nuances to sources, but um, I still stand by everything that I've written as 100% accurate at this point. Oh, look at this. Bill Meltzer uh, jumping into my mentions. All right. So uh, Flyers Eric says, do you think Hart gets to start tomorrow, even though Neuver was the uh, first off the ice today? To which Bill Meltzer, who was not tagged in this, jumps into my mentions, says that Hart definitely almost uh, almost definitely starts tomorrow. Uh, today was his first practice. It wasn't a typical practice day. For what it's worth, he practiced in what is more commonly the starter net. So that's interesting. Scott Hartnell's lost glove on Twitter. Oh, Hey, friend. Five-star hey, review. Five-star reviewer. Uh, do you think that Gordon will get a fair shot at being the next head coach, or is it almost a foregone conclusion that it'll be an outside hire? Got to think it's the latter. Well, it's more likely going to be the latter. I mean, but, I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, if the guy comes in and all of a sudden the team rolls off, you know, 10 out of 12 and gets themselves back in the playoff race and is, is real, wildly, wildly successful, then sure, yeah. I mean, he, he said today... He said that everybody's a candidate, and that includes Scott Gordon. I've told him he's a candidate, but I've made no promises. So, you know, could he be the coach? Sure, but he would have to. He would have to wow you. I mean, he, they can't continue to be a average to below average team with Scott Gordon and think that you know he might be the guy long term. Um, and da, da, da. Uh, Michael MPH. Uh, brings up the fact that um, the Phantoms are making Kerry Huffman the interim coach. Uh, Samuelson is going to be his interim assistant assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And he says that he doesn't like the look of the uh, the the way that the farm system is is um, just grooming more ex flyers to be coaches yet again. Haven't no. we learned to no. be done with this former player pipeline? No. Well, so for, so just so you know, Shell Samuelson was a longtime minor league assistant coach. Never to be an NHL assistant coach um, and then stopped doing it 
because he didn't want to didn't want to really do it anymore. I think this is just a hey, I'll help out because you guys need somebody at this point. But he's not looking for aspirations to be a coach at the NHL level. Kerry Huffman might eventually be looking to do that, but you know this is his first real chance to be an assistant coach in the AHL, um, and he's only going to now he's going to be a head coach. Uh, but I think again, interim, he, he might be more interim than Scott Gordon is. Let's put it that way. Uh, CBS gone fishing says the parts don't fit, but they can't make a panic move when everyone knows you need to. So what should they do regarding trades? I think we touched on that. Dr. Janitor also brought up the, uh, the Doug Armstrong calling about Tarasenko and Prego. So, uh, we also hit on that. Andrew Wells, uh, with recent D struggles, do you expect to see Myers? Uh, or Friedman at some point in the near future. You said it's more likely we would see Friedman than Myers. Yeah, I think. I Fried- say. I think. I, I think with it. Gordon's here. Call up. Call up Phil Myers. Yeah. Let's get wild. Let's get crazy. He's. I don't think he's ready. I think Friedman. Together clo- we build. I think Friedman's closer to being ready. Yeah. I, I really do, and I think that he would be the guy first. Uh, bold prediction time from uh, Chris Malinga, who says uh the flyers make a deep run into the playoffs with uh Hugh, with Giroux, Hughes and Tarasenko on the first line with Quenville behind the bench possible likely next year you're talking about i guess so yeah obviously yeah with Hughes Hughes uh, Tarasenko and Giroux uh, that's, with that's, Quenville behind the bench possible you're you're asking for, you're asking for a lot to happen there um sure are. Uh, trading for Tarasenko losing enough and winning the lottery to get the number one overall pick and then convincing uh, a three-time Stanley Cup winning coach to come in and coach a team that um, was the worst team in hockey the year before. I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's going to happen. I think that's asking for too much. Now, is it possible that one or two of those things could happen? Maybe. But I don't, I don't think all three do, no. Okay. Uh, Anthony, I think it's time. We've got some five-star reviews. And, of course, we... Uh, we My favorite part skipped, of the show. We skipped, uh, I, I think, at least one episode, maybe two episodes of uh, Who's That Flyer? So I think it's time. Okay. This Philadelphia Flyer, who I just looked up, in his first season with the Orange and Black, played 28 games. It looks like, yeah, he played 28 games. He scored four goals and had nine assists. His plus minus for the Flyers in that season was a minus, uh, minus one. Name that flyer. That's all I get? He played 28 games in his first season? That's all I really get? I will get? tell you that uh, he played for another team in that same year, and his total for that season okay. was so, a, a minus 18. So let me ask you this question. Yeah. Did he start as a flyer, or did he was he came no, from another team? He came from so, another so team. So the first season he played as a flyer was 28 games. So he was traded to the Flyers. Yes. And he had four goals? He had four goals for the Flyers. That season, he had 10 goals, 21 assists. He was a minus 18. Uh, Who's that Flyer? Man, that's a tough call. Um, I have no idea. Uh, Tony Amonti. No. I'm going to give you another shot. <laughs> I don't think there's enough information. It, it's it's. Too what much. else would you like? What can I do to help you? Do you want to know where he came from? Did yeah, I give you the year? There, there you go. Now, tell me where he came from. That might help. He came from uh, Carolina. Sammy Kapanen. Ah, oh, there it is. The father of future flyer. Yeah. Wink, wink. Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah. yeah. Sammy Kapanen. Figured, okay. 
figured that was uh, that tied the whole thing together. That's good. That was good. That was a good. That's good. I'll give you that one. Now it's time for iTunes reviews. This is my favorite. My favorite favorite part of the show. Uh, By the way, BJ Beretta, who left the uh, the iTunes review under the name uh, "Things Are Looking Up." who uh, mentioned he wanted to play catch with you. He has inquired via DM on Twitter to see if, if this is legit. I'm going to figure it out, darn it. I'm going to figure out a time for you guys to play catch. <laughs> I want video. I'm going to put it up on Crossing Broad. I'm very excited. All right, Roar68. Ugh, we love Roar. Roar68 is fantastic. A follower on the Press Row Show, and of course, a listener to Snow the Goalie. The People's Podcast, the Players' Podcast. Okay. Out with the old, in with the new. Five stars. Roar68 used our last episode's title. That's fine. Tickets are down because the attention is off off ice stuff and not on the ice. Gritty is okay. One, don't need the glass lighting up. Two, uh, video show in between periods on the ice every game. Is all this to draw attention away from the product, the Flyers? Hey, look over here and don't look at this stuff. When your fourth line has Laterra and Weiss, uh, Flyers fans can't connect with these guys Give me Hound, Hammer, Brownie, Loppy, Cochran, Talbot. Some, uh, someone that's showing... Wait, gosh, this is so strangely worded. Someone that's showing me that even though Flyers may lose, they're working hard for your money for the ticket you paid for. Love the show. Love the show in between periods. Long live Dutch Gretzky. I, I, I love that he used the five-star review as a way to get his uh, philosophy on hockey out. As opposed yes. to this, as opposed to talking about the show, I wanted longtime listener, first time caller in there. <laughs> Thanks, on, Roar. Man. Appreciate it, bud. Uh, Dog Pound nine two one nine says, "Hands down, the best Flyers podcast. Five stars out of all the Flyers podcasts out there. I look forward to Snow the Goalie the most. Easily the most informative Flyers related news. Cannot beat Anthony's inside scoops and looks on the team. I find the best part of Snow the Goalie is being able to take a step back and try not to make decisions based on being a fan. Keep up the amazing work, guys." There you go, Anthony. We have Thanks, one more. Dog. We have one more. <laughs> wow. I'm, that that should just be a, a sound Thanks, drop dog. on. Thanks, dog. <laughs> What's well, his name, right? Come on, Bo. Primo <laughs> hoagies. Sesame seed buns. Okay. Uh, must listen podcast. Five stars. Philly person. Uh, the best thing the Flyers have done besides Gritty has been giving these two press credentials. I have been a fan from the beginning, and the podcasts have always been a great listen. Lately, they have gone from great to immediately stop whatever it is you're doing and listen. I eagerly look for the podcast uh, to hit because, honestly, they are more entertaining than the product on the ice. This is far and away the best coverage of the team. Anthony's access and writing sets the bar for what good hockey coverage can be, but so often is not this day and age. Uh, I think he balances well with Russ. As a new dad, I love your dad jokes. Great Mm -hmm. balance, great insights. And Flyers content you can't get anywhere else. Thank you, Philly person. You know, person, that was that was a great review until you got to the part about Russ and his dad jokes. Wow, that's... <laughs> look. Cut me a little bit of slack. Uh, right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just, just a little, little bit. bit. All right. But uh, anyway, so that's good. Three more good five-star reviews. Keep them coming, guys. We are approaching. We are quickly approaching 100 uh, in a, what, six-ish? Is it a six-month span? We doing the podcast is a little bit longer. No, nine, nine months. Eight. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, eight months. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to the show, of course, welcome back. Uh, don't forget to go. Uh, you know, tell everybody you know, any Flyers fan about Snow the goalie, 
and uh, make sure they subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else they get their podcasts. If you can, get to somebody who has an iPhone or, or an Apple device or some kind of device that can get iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. That's great. That helps us climb the charts. We love the five-star reviews because we'll read them on air, and uh, that's what we're here for. Of course, also check out the Press Row Show. Anthony, you're not, or you're, you're not going to be down there Tuesday. Well, are to, be are you? T- to be determined now. Ooh. Yeah, we'll see. Is that um, good? I don't know if that's good. It's good for me. I don't know if that's good for you. I'm gonna try and make it work. We'll see. Yes. I have I have a conflict Tuesday night, but uh, maybe can make it work so that I can get down there because I think it's kind of important for Carter Hart's first game, Scott Gordon's first game, that I should probably be there. I agree. Yeah. Well, the press row show will be going off regardless because I will have if if I must. I don't want to fill your seat. It would be very sad to have to do it, but I already have somebody lined up. Who? I'm not going to tell you. You can't tell me? You already no. have, somebody, you have somebody lined up? Not yet. In theory, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Look, Anthony, let's be honest. Everybody looks longingly at the Press Row show as it's going on. Live from Press Row at Wells Fargo Center. And they say, yeah. man, the ultimate, the pinnacle of my career would be getting on the Press Row show, which is live streamed on Anthony Sanfilippo's Twitter account. Although in that case, it would probably be from my fantastic Twitter account, at Joy on Broad, where I have 1 15th or 1 18th of the followers Anthony does. But of course, the Crossing Broad Facebook page, which has like 28,000 people yeah. or something that like it. So, uh, of course, check out the Press Row Show. Uh, we have games coming up Tuesday and Thursday that we'll both be at. Saturday, I probably won't be at, so Anthony will likely run that with somebody else. Um, but go check us out there. Don't forget, we do pregame. So 7 o'clock games, we're usually hitting going live at about 6.30. 635 at the latest depends really depends on if the popcorn's ready because that That's is right. a necessity uh we have and your, to prioritize and your, things and your coffee life. your coffee and popcorn my coffee and popcorn or I, i've been going for the iced tea lately i don't know because it's good Ooh, here's the thing though this is the life hack that i found uh mm-hmm. there was a an out-of-town guy who uh grabbed a coffee cup and he filled it to the brim with m&ms and from that point on, I realized I was an idiot for filling up those cute little, like, uh, mustard ramekins, cups or whatever they Those little yeah. ramekins, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I've been doing that when I could have just filled it up, filled up <laughs> a regular cup, but whatever. This is, uh, it's 2018. I'm learning. I'm learning yeah. on the job. There you go. So uh, go check out the Press Row Show. Again, it's on Anthony's uh, Twitter account uh, via Periscope and on the Crossing Broad Facebook page. Uh, we're there. You can send us questions. And unlike pretty much any other uh, pregame or intermission show, we immediately interact uh, with you as the uh, the viewers, the listeners, whomever, and uh, you throw some questions out, and we will be sure to answer them, to react as we see what will likely be Carter Hart's first NHL start. So that's very exciting. That's well worth the price of admission. I expect there's going to be a pretty large crowd for this uh, game, would be my guess. It could be. Yeah, it I could think be. so. People are going to be excited. Like there, there has to be excitement about Carter Hart. And I think you, you kind of wash away the... the um, the film of what the Hackstall era was to some of the fans in the, in the city. Like, yeah, I have to assume that there is going to be a, a pretty decent sized crowd. It is a Tuesday night, which, you know, is what it is, but I'm expecting a big crowd. So, uh, anyway, go check out the press row show. Thanks as always for listening to snow, the goalie, go check out the other shows on crossing Road podcast network. Those links can be found in the bottom of the uh, description of this episode. And of course, Anthony and my Twitter accounts are also linked in the description. So just click on those and you can hit follow and life is good and uh, keep the conversation going on Twitter. So for Anthony at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening and we will talk to you soon.